Check, check. Ah, there we are. Um, hello. Hello, world. We're back. Got a little bonus episode for you. Uh, you know, covering a little bit of electoral politics. Uh, oh, God, it's so much fun, and we're having a great time. It's not stressful, or, bu- well, you know, I'm not bugging out at all. No big deal. <laughs> uh, my name is Brendan. Hello. It's Independence Days. Uh, and it's the day after Super Tuesday 2, Super Martes. Um, last night we had uh, uh, another another kind of big election. Six states voted. We had, uh, say it with me, Mississippi, Missouri, uh, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Idaho, Washington, and um i think that's it yeah vote last night and joe biden is racking up wins are they blowouts not quite um did he extend his lead over uh our boy bernard no uh same amount of lead he's leading by about 100 140 um delegates uh Still counting votes in California. Still counting votes in uh, Washington. Uh, Washington is looking pretty close. Uh, North Dakota won by Bernie. Uh, But Idaho, Mississippi, Missouri. um, Yeah, they... they, um, Oh, Michigan. Michigan, unfortunately. Uh, They went for Joe. What happened? What happened, everybody? Um, well, day of, uh, the election yesterday, already a pattern we've already been seeing through this whole primary voter suppression. We've been seeing huge, huge lines, uh, mostly in college campuses, mostly in neighborhoods of color to go and vote. Yes, you're legally uh, uh, supposed to be able to take time off to vote. But again, I'm seeing, I'm seeing pictures in, in the cities in Idaho and Michigan of people standing in line for hours to vote. Not, there's not, there wasn't enough voting infrastructure to, uh, to meet the demand of all the people who were just like trying to, uh, exercise their civic duty and, uh, be part of the, you know, dictating how the fucking country runs. Um, so that's part of it. There's another thing where it's like, so there's these things called exit polls, right? So we got reporters that are standing outside of these polling stations and they're asking people how they voted. They're asking people questions about um, what they think about the issues, where they're at ideologically, who they voted for. And uh, all of the reporters, at, like say at CNN, for example, they gather gather their exit polls together, and then they release it uh, before an official um, an official vote tally is finished. So, what has been going on is that CNN, while people were in line in Michigan. 
Not only were people waiting in line in Michigan for hours to vote. Not only were people saying, fuck this. This is, I, I got to go to work. I got to go to class. You know, I got kids, yada, yada, yada. I can't wait for two hours to sit in line to go vote. They leave. But um, exit polls were being dropped before voting was even done. And CNN called Michigan for Joe while people were still in line. That's not fucking democratic, you know. That leads to people saying, oh, well, I guess that's it. And they jump out of line and they go home. They don't want to wait anymore. Uh, this has been uh, this has been the case in uh, all over the country so far, where they're calling races that are close based off of exit polling while people are still in line to vote in the artificially created lines. Um, and it's, it's, there's voter suppression there happening as well. Um, oh, what else? Or what other evidence of the amazing democracy uh, that, that we live in? What's some other evidence of this? Uh, in Dallas County, huh, they found a bunch of missing ballots. Uh, and a judge just had to fucking... <laughs> call dallas county up and say hey time for a recount uh because we have inaccurate results where people's votes aren't being counted um that's voter disenfranchisement y'all that's taking people's vote away from them that's uh like third world country shit then we see over in Massachusetts, the exit polls come out. Exit polls show that Bernie beats Biden by a couple percentage points. Um, and then when the final tally comes out, Joe beats Bernie uh, 33% to 26%. That's a 15-point swing in the exit polls. 15-point swing. That's more than what the UN says. The UN has uh, democracy standards, election standards, you know. Um, and we use those standards to uh, go into other countries and say, hey, this democracy that you're doing right now, this fucked up. We're going to come in here and tell you how to do it. Um, we use exit polling to, uh, decipher like when an election is free and fair and when it's not. Um, and they take the UN's own standard says that a 5% swing in exit poll, uh, discrepancy is enough to raise red flags for election fraud. So we're seeing a possibility of election fraud in Massachusetts. Uh, we're seeing that in California as well, where Bernie is up seven points so far in the total uh, vote counts, but the exit polls showed that he was winning by 15 points. Um, so this is like, this is happening all over the fucking country. Why? Well, the elections are being run by the state party apparatus, apparatuses, apparati, um, and all those people are staffed, or all those uh, organizations are staffed by middle-of-the-road establishment types who are probably for Joe, 
Uh, they're probably not enthusiastic, you know, it's just looking at all the candidates like Pete and Amy and everyone who dropped out just to enjoy, uh, endorse Joe. Pete was number two after he, hey, he he uh, came in second in Iowa, came in second in New Hampshire. I mean, he was like the number two guy. And, uh, you know, you got to kiss the ring. They dropped out and they endorsed Joe. They fall in line, you know. So this is happening all over the country right now. Um. So what now? You know, uh, what what's going on? Why is Joe? Why is Joe doing so well? You know, um, and what's uh, what's the positive so far? Well, right now it's looking like there's a very deep divide in the party based on age. Joe's crushing it over voter uh, with voters over fifty. Uh, voters between like forty and fifty is kind of split with Bernie barely winning. And under 40, Bernie is blowing Joe out of the water. So this is, we're looking at the future of the party. We're looking at an ideological divide here. Um, but as far as the ideological divide goes, I'm looking at these exit polls, right? All these exit polls, they give us a little bit of insight on how people are thinking, what people are thinking like. Um, and he, this is what is... This is what's kind of killing me. All the exit polls that are asking people on whether or not they support a government health insurance plan, right? Replacing the private health insurance industry, as extortionary as it is, replacing it uh, with a government program, right? Not-for-profit, just just making sure people can go to the doctor, right? A government-run health insurance plan is overwhelmingly supported by voters of all ages. Vermont, 73%. Maine, 69%. Texas, 63%. Minnesota, 62%. Colorado, 57%. California, 57%. North Carolina, 55%. Oklahoma, 53%. Tennessee, 52%. Alabama, 51%. Virginia, 52%. Massachusetts, 50%. Washington, 63%. Mississippi, 60%. Missouri, 58%. Michigan, 58%. Joe's not running on universal health care. He's not running to abolish the private health insurance industry, and yet he's winning. Why? It's the idea of electability. People think that Joe is electable. Why is that? It's a return to safety. It's a return to a soft nice feeling that he can beat Trump. He's not going to rock the boat. He can attract the voters needed to beat Trump in November. And um, what's it based off of? I mean, not a whole lot. Yesterday I was canvassing in front of a college and was talking to a 70-year-old woman. Very nice. uh, Very sweet. We had a great conversation. I talked to her more than I did anybody else yesterday. But she said, she's like, I love Bernie. I'm with him. I agree with everything he says, but we have to beat Trump. We have to beat Trump. I got to, you know, I'm just thinking about electability and Joe's the one. Bernie went too hard on the private health insurance companies. And I think that he should have gone easier, been a little more flexible on this. Well, the data is showing that that's just not the case. People are on board for it. Oh, ma'am, do you um, do you have private health insurance? Oh, no, I'm on Medicare. I love it. I want everybody to have it. So what's the damn deal, right? Everybody has been 
It's the fucking TV brain rot. Everyone's watching TV, watching all these news actors on TV guess about these imaginary voters out here. Guessing about what electability means, what the electorate's going to do, how are they going to react to this, the, the white suburban moderates, the young people, the this, the that. Everyone's playing a guessing game. Everybody's playing TV news actor. And that mentality of prognosticating is seeping into the brains of regular voters and it's making them vote against their own interests. This woman was so like, I mean, kind of stubborn on the idea that like, Oh yeah, no, Joe's the one to be Trump. Even though like, again, there's no proof of this. So how do people think that? I mean, like I said last week, there is a lot of uh, defensive work happening on behalf of Joe by the news media. They don't cover him. Uh, he's got forty year a forty year record of bad shit. You know, uh, he helped get Clarence Thomas, a Republican, onto the Supreme Court. Uh, he, uh, I mean, Anita, like treating Anita Hill like shit. Look, look up those videos. All these things you can look up. Um, he uh, voted or he ran for president twice uh, in the 80s. He had to drop out because it turned out he was a plagiarist. Um, he was fighting to cut Social Security, fighting to cut Medicaid and Medicare. He was... Um, an anti-choice Democrat saying that, oh, I don't think women necessarily have a right to choose what happens to their own body. Up until recently, like as recently as 2006, saying that, oh, I don't really, uh, I don't really see uh, abortion as a, as a right. Um, absolutely insane, you know. Uh, on top of that, he's lied about being in the civil rights movement, he's lied about being arrested, uh, protesting apartheid in South Africa, he's lied and lied and lied, and he's gonna get crushed by Trump, y'all. So, like, the media is not doing us any favors by not covering Joe. Meanwhile, they only cover Bernie minimally and when they do in a negative in a negative uh light uh despite the fact that he has record-breaking support from young people latinos the muslim community in the same way that joe has support from older black voters um nobody brings that up nobody brings up the fact that like yeah we're winning on an ideological point of view everybody agrees that we should have a single payer health care, a single payer health care plan. Everybody hates their health insurance companies. Nobody likes having to call series of bureaucracies, uh, middle management to get like necessary treatments done. You know, nobody likes that. Nobody likes dealing with billing and shit like that. Um, yeah. So like, they're just, um, they're really crafting a narrative and even right now i remain hopeful uh less than half the states have voted uh neither candidate is uh 
halfway to a hundred nine a thousand nine hundred ninety one delegates that's the delegates you need to clinch the nomination neither one of them's halfway there and yet they are trying to call it oh he has no path bernie's got no path to the nomination oh oh he's got to drop out oh let's cancel the debates we got the last state votes june 2nd Okay, we got a ways to go. We still got New York. We still got Wisconsin. We got Illinois. Okay, we got the rest of the country. Um, and on top of that, how did we go from South Carolina, which is big, to Super Tuesday, which is huge, to yesterday without a debate? The the field narrowed down to two people and we had a dozen states or so votes in South Carolina and we didn't have a two-person debate and we're getting one on Sunday night after I mean after they're already able to craft this narrative that Joe's the front runner and um like what the fuck everybody what the fuck news you're not doing us any favors you know but the thing is, is that like they don't really care. They're going to be fine either way. They're more interested in stopping Bernie, right? They would rather have Trump than have Bernie. Because if they have the, they have Trump, oh, we got a boogeyman. Oh, we got a bad guy, right? Um, we we can. Oh man, we're going to drum up all this like all this hysteria and like we all these things to talk about with the bad guy and what the bad guys are doing and uh meanwhile i mean the media corporations are going to be able to buy each other up they're going to continue being able to sell advertising to the health insurance or sell advertising for health insurance industry for big pharma for oil companies um and if they get joe oh well you know we return to quote normalcy which means they get to do all that same shit again. And maybe they won't have a bad guy. They'll find another bad guy. But at least with Joe, he's going to be a business-friendly guy. Business as usual, right? People are going to keep being poor, and they're going to keep not having to talk about it. Um, and Joe's going to play nice with them, you know? So either way, they love it. They don't care, really. They're going to they may be horrified at Trump's style and his language and all that shit. But like, again, people who built the kid camps, it was under the Obama administration, right? They were, yes, the kids weren't separated. Yes. It's been expanded greatly, but all that infrastructure was laid down during democratic administration, right? 3 million people deported from their communities. Uh, eight, wars being fought from three or two or three under the bush administration so like all of this shit is just like there's a bipartisan consensus on how the country should run they're both capitalist parties republican democrats democrats now are trying to sell us this like woke diverse capitalism it's still a society that's shaped like a pyramid but now you got a couple now you have some women and some brown people up at the top while the rest of us are mostly poor at the bottom, doing most of the work, grinding out. Um, so, like, the media is not being our friend here. They're not doing their job as journalists. They're not exposing Joe and his weaknesses, you know. Um, 
And I will say to critique the Bernie campaign, they have they haven't been going hard on Joe. Uh, as much as they could, too. I swear to God, Bernie, if you keep saying Joe is your fucking friend, bro, dude, you're, you, we're, we're not friends. We're not friends. Bernie, you're not, I like you. I like you, bro. I like you just fine. But you're not my friend, all right? You are a politician who is near the levers of power and, um, like your movement is like what you're trying to get the movement of people near the levers of power. Right. But like, please, for the love of God, Joe, don't say he can beat Trump because he can't don't say that he's your friend because he's not my friend. Okay. Uh, I, no, no fucking way. Uh, I mean, Joe's out here like picking fights with voters and shit like that. There's, you know, he, he got confronted uh, by some construction workers in Michigan about his, uh, about his gun, uh, his gun control plans and shit like that, which, you know, like I got mixed, I'm from Texas, I got a little independent streak in me, like I have mixed feelings on gun control. Um, but like Joe, you can't, you can't, he called him full of shit and he was like, oh, you want to go outside? You want to go outside, bro? Which is like, the media covers Bernie bros and like anonymous online trolls so much. And it's like, yeah, the internet was mean from day one. We all knew that shit. Log off. It's a free website, right? But here we got a presidential candidate who we're trying to push as quote electable picking fights with voters, you know? Anytime a voter comes up to him or a reporter comes up with him with a mild criticism, mildly holding him accountable for his record, he flips shit. Um, and this is kind of the reason why his campaign is hiding him from the public. He did one campaign event after he won Super Tuesday, spoke for seven minutes. Bernie's out there doing 45-minute hour-long speeches across the country. Biden, seven-minute speech, does one single interview on TV. And you see him in the debates, and he gets angry, not because it's a righteous anger like I like I see in Bernie, but it's angry because he is having a hard time articulating his thoughts. I think he's getting frustrated with his, his shrinking mental capacity, you know, like... Which I don't have anything against inherently. Like, Joe, you should be able to just retire, bud, and be with your family. But, like, good God. Um, good God. So what now? Everybody is going to be telling you, oh, it's over. It's over. It's over. Remember, we still got plenty of race to go. All right? Not that behind. They're still counting votes. All right? Oh, on top of everything, you know, all the voter suppression and everything and crafting the media, they are, they call the states where Joe wins or they think he's going to win immediately. And then the states where Bernie wins, they like have fine delays and vote counts and stuff like that. So they're crafting the meat, they're crafting the media narrative, trying to make you think like it's done. Right. Um, so what now? Oh, okay. Biden's gotta Biden's gotta make a play for uh for the younger voters because he's doing so extremely poorly with younger voters. If you're a younger voter out there, I I implore you, please tell people you won't vote for Joe Biden. Even if it's not true. Even if you will, 
okay? Even if you will, tell people you won't, all right? They're not going to give us anything, especially if we guarantee them a vote. Make them earn it. Joe Biden is out here running on a Republican fucking platform. His healthcare plan is going to leave 10 million people uninsured. His climate change plan has failing scores from all the leading climate organizations. It's, it, 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 it completely flies in the face of like evidence and reason. Like it, it, it's, a, it, it's a spit in the face for all of us who uh, want to fight uh, for a platform that matches the urgency of the crisis of the crises of right now, you know? Um, so they gotta, they gotta start, they gotta start trying. If we just tell them, oh yeah, vote blue no matter who, we're gonna vote. Nah, fuck that. They don't deserve our fucking vote. Obviously, Joe Biden has contempt for us. His bankruptcy bill is the reason that you can't discharge student debt. It's the reason why we have $1.6 trillion in student debt in this country. Um, in an interview, he says, oh, I have no empathy. I got no empathy. I got no empathy with those people. They can, they can suck it up. I mean, how out of touch do you have to be to say that to uh, a whole generation of people that are grown-ass adults now, you know? Um, how out of touch and antagonistic and, uh, you think you can win in November without us? Like, I remember that going a certain type of way four years ago. Um, so yeah, please tell people that you're not voting for Joe because we got to create a sense of urgency on their end to make some real concessions for us if Joe really it does end up being the nominee. Uh, but in the meantime, y'all, this is never going to be easy. We signed up for a fight. Remember, Bernie's campaign still beat 20-something other moderate candidates, and we're now up against the guy that all the losers lined up behind. You know, We're fighting their collective shit. So, like, this is never going to be easy. Yeah. Uh, so keep keep the hope and like start thinking about the other things you can do too right um organize talk to people talk to organize around issues in your local city you know change is mostly gonna ever happen from the bottom up so let's make it happen yeah um if you're in illinois it's the motherfucking time to early vote you got till monday the 16th um, you can early vote at any early voting polling site on election day. You can only vote, you know, at your precincts voting station or whatever, but early voting, you can do whatever you want. Um, tight. We'll have another show, uh, for you this week with John. I hope you guys, uh, enjoyed our, our laid back show with Carl last week. Um, yeah, you know, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe on all the things, uh, find us on Facebook, we're on Twitter, um, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I'm going to leave you all with, um, with a little of this. This is uh, Amy Goodman, legendary journalist uh, from Democracy Now!, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite pieces of journalism out here uh, doing the good work. 
Amy Goodman uh, narrating a little little piece about manufacturing consent. Uh, a little bit of Noam Chomsky for you, just to um, you know maybe like help your understanding on how the media works to shape and frame narratives and uh, pushes things that people don't actually want. Um, yeah, enjoy. Bye. Propaganda. Many use the word when talking about countries like North Korea, Kazakhstan, Iran. Countries viewed as authoritarian through the lens of the Western media. Press freedom. Freedom of thought. People use those terms when talking about countries like the United States, France, Australia, democracies. In 1988, Noam Chomsky co-authored a book with Edward Herman called Manufacturing Consent. It blasted apart the notion that media acts as a check on political power, that media inform the public serve the public so that we can better engage in the political process. In fact, media manufacture our consent. They tell us what those in power need them to tell us so we can fall in line. Democracy is staged with the help of media that work as propaganda machines. Media operate through five filters. The first has to do with ownership. Mass media firms are big corporations. Often they're part of even bigger conglomerates. Their end game, profit. And so it's in their interests to push for whatever guarantees that profit. Critical journalism takes second place to the needs and interests of the corporation. The second filter exposes the real role of advertising. Media costs a lot more than consumers will ever pay. So who fills the gap? Advertisers. And what are the advertisers paying for? Audiences. And so it isn't so much that the media are selling you a product, their output... They're also selling advertisers a product. You. How does the establishment manage the media? That's the third filter. Journalism cannot be a check on power because the very system encourages complicity. Governments, corporations, big institutions know how to play the media game. They know how to influence the news narrative. They feed media scoops, official accounts, interviews with the experts. They make themselves crucial to the process of journalism. So those in power and those who report on them are in bed with each other. If you want to challenge power, you'll be pushed to the margins. Your name won't be down. You won't be getting in. You've lost your access. You've lost the story. When the media, 
journalists, whistleblowers, sources stray away from the consensus, they get flat. That's the fourth filter. When the story is inconvenient for the powers that be, you'll see the flat machine in action, discrediting sources, trashing stories, and diverting the conversation. To manufacture consent, you need an enemy, a target. That common enemy is the fifth filter. Communism, terrorists, immigrants, a common enemy. A boogeyman to fear helps corral public opinion. Five filters, one big media theory. Consent is being manufactured all around you, all the time. Huh? <laughs>